All right, guys, we got the return of a very special friend, Aaron Alexander, and we are doing this podcast in celebration and promotion of Aaron's new book, which is a fucking game changer. It is uh, absolutely essential. I've employed a ton of the practices that Aaron has taught me that he will teach you in his new book, but you don't have to wait for the book. You can get him right now by listening to this podcast. So lots of good gems in this one. We really break down his book and try to share as much as humanly possible. But of course, if you want all the downloads, you got to get the book. So check this one out. Let us know what you think online. He's always great about returning messages and answering questions. Same with yourself at Kingsboo. Don't forget my website, kingsboo.com. And of course, support this show by clicking subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating. Listen to my boy Aaron Alexander's podcast. And also... Check out our sponsors. Indochino is a custom menswear company. They were founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. I always feel good when I'm wearing stuff that fits. Certainly things that fit better make me feel better. And even though I have a body that I like and appreciate and love, uh, there's nothing that feels quite that good as when I'm all dressed up and feeling and looking snazzy. You can head into one of their stores, they have them in basically every major city, or you can do your measurements at home and submit all your measurements online. Pick everything you want from the fabric style, the color, they make suits, shirts, coats, and more. Everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. And you get to personalize all the details, including the lapel lining and your own monogram. Now I didn't do a monogram because, uh, well, I'm not that arrogant. <laughs> I'm pretty arrogant, but uh, I wouldn't do a monogram unless it was on towels and shit like that. But suit yourself. Basically, you can pick anything you want when it comes to this. These guys are highly detailed and they know how to make some really high-end stuff at a fraction of the price of what you would normally spend. All of their custom clothing is under 400 US dollars. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all online yourself at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Kyle at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Kyle, for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. And also, guys, we're heading into the home stretch of our fit-for-service application process. Basically, we open this up at the end of each year to see who will join us for the following year. And occasionally we have uh, very small openings here or there at the end of each quarter. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's going to change to a trimester form. So next year we're gonna be taking you guys through the hero's journey and all that it entails. If you've ever read The Man or the Hero with a Thousand Faces from Joseph Campbell, uh, you'll understand what some of the coursework looks like, but we take that orders of magnitude deeper and in addition to that, this is really all about the meetups. It's about getting people together who are like-minded and building a community. And we've done just that with our freshman year of Fit for Service. It's been a hell of a ride through 2019. You can check out the podcasts that Aubrey Marcus, Eric Godsey, Caitlin Howe, and myself did on the Aubrey Marcus podcast. We'll link to that in the show notes so you can get a, a deeper understanding of what this is all about and what it's done for us as coaches but as I mentioned, you have a community of people that are working on all sorts of shit from business to the mental, emotional skills to spiritual deepening to deepening their spiritual awareness. And of course, not forgetting about the physical. We basically give the kitchen sink of our knowledge and wisdom directly to you and we allow you to grow within a community and that is fit for service. So check that out at aubreymarcus.com slash fit for service. We'll link to that landing page in the show notes and get your applications in ASAP because going, going, gone. There are only a few spots left and this will be uh, the last run without having to wait the first four months of the year to get in. Also, this show is brought to you by Onnit and I've mentioned a number of products that I've helped to create before, but I wanna tell you guys a bit about one of the pre-workout lists that I use, Shroom Tech Sport and Endurance is a phenomenal product. It's been around for a long time, long before I got here, so I'm not trying to take credit for creating that one. We use Cordyceps Synesis, a high dose of methylated B12, and some other beautiful products within that. They're in capsules. I typically take double, so I'll have about eight capsules pre-workout of the Shroom Tech Sport. Also, I take Total Nitric Oxide, which is a product that I helped to design. It's absolutely one of my favorite products. 
If I take one scoop, uh, that's typically going to be for something more on the cardio side. And then I'll have two scoops if I'm going to do some heavy lifting and really enjoy the pump. Uh, but that in concert with Shroom Tech Sport seems to give me quite a bit of endurance. And it's something that I absolutely love. So those two products pre-workout alongside our time-released beta alanine tablets. I think that's the one, two, three punch that will take your workouts to the next level. You can get those all at onit.com slash Kyle for 10% off all products and food products for 10% off all supplements and food products. Last but not least, we've got ButcherBox and ButcherBox is back to doing their get free bacon for life deal, which is one of my absolute favorite deals because I absolutely love bacon. And I love knowing that the bacon I'm consuming is from an animal that lived a good life, a healthy animal and healthy pig, healthy pork, is maybe one of the most important animals to make sure it's healthy. Uh, pigs, along with any other animal that we consume, store toxins in the fat, and that is a major issue. To consume an animal that is not healthy is to basically make yourself unhealthy. And it's not you are what you eat, it's you are what you eat ate. So learning that uh, from people like Rob Wolf and Paul Check has been an idea that I constantly keep in my mind's eye. But you also want to have affordable meat. And that's the whole deal. How do we make meat affordable? Well, ButcherBox has done that. And the way they do that is you choose from four curated boxes, including a mix of high quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, or heritage breed pork. All of their products are all natural. All of their products are free-range. You do not have to worry about antibiotics or lectins and nasty stuff coming in this product. You're getting the best. You can also customize your own box and get exactly what you and your family love. Each box comes with at least 9 to 11 pounds of meat, which is enough for 24 individual-sized meals. Meat is frozen at the peak of freshness in individual vacuum-sealed packs, and all meat is delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. You can cook with the peace of mind knowing you're feeding your family healthy, high-quality meat you can actually trust, all at a fraction of what you'd pay in a normal grocery store. It's affordable. So by taking out the middleman, grocery stores, ButcherBox is able to buy meat at a lower cost and pass those savings on to you. The price is just $1.29 a month, which works, out to which works out to less than $6 per meal. And shipping is free nationwide, besides Alaska and Hawaii. Lo siento. Get your free bacon for life plus $20 off. This is a very limited time offer, so act quickly. Sign up at butcherbox.com Kingsbury and get free bacon for life plus $20 off your first box. That's butcherbox.com slash Kingsbury or enter Kingsbury at checkout. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's show with my dude, Aaron Alexander. Of course, you know, this won't be the last podcast we shared together, but this was a damn good one. Let us know what you think and check out my website, kingsboo.com. Thanks for tuning in. All right. So if you hear pages ruffling, it's just Aaron going through his green book. As I always mentioned, or I had mentioned before, it's kind of akin to Henry, Henry Winkler, in uh, the Water Boy, he's got his playbook with all the special plays yep. that Red steals from him. Yep, but you still got it. You still got your mojo. Still got it. All right. So this is actually uh, part two. I know you've been on the podcast more than two times, but we uh, we had some technical difficulties out in Venice when I recorded, and unfortunately lost fucking five episodes. So we're in oh, the, I'm in the process oh, of. No. <laughs> thankfully, we still got Laird Hamilton, who is. Hard to reach, just not because he's not he's unreachable, just because he travels so damn much. But yeah. I can get the other ones. And you're in town, so we got this. Back-to-back yeah. -back champions. I was a bit of a sappy bitch in the last one anyway, so I think this is, I think it was good. It I was think the universe you were great, working you know, in our favor. You, you know what? You just, you wanted to, to talk more about the book, which is what we're going to do today. And of course... Uh, well, you talk about anything. We, we I want to go down the rabbit hole on everything. That's All what right. makes these conversations beautiful, All brother. Right. All right. And if you hear ice rumbling, I'm sorry. I never use ice in my yerba mate, but we've got a new lady in the cafe and I'm not going to blame anybody or name names, but All right. there's ice in there. So let's, let's start this thing. Forgive us for page turning and ice shaking, but it's going to happen during the podcast. You got a fucking brand new book, The Align Method. The Align Five Method. movement principles. There we go. For a stronger body, sharper mind, and stress-proof life. I love this. This is like your your life's work all rolled into one, as many people's first books are. But the the stress proof life that's the one that stands out to me. Mm. Obviously, we 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 know from movement practices how much sharper our mind is, how much more energy we have throughout the day. But the stress proof life that's the one that uh, really sticks out because there's a lot of books on biohacking and and just different things that will ultimately bring you 
some degree of happiness and energy and recovery and improve your life, but the stress proof. Yeah. How do we get there? Yeah. <clears throat> well, it feels as though statistically people are going more towards the direction of anxiety and depression and even things like suicidal ideation is way up. I don't know what the exact statistic is, but with adolescents in the last 10 years, it's going up dramatically. Um, obesity, like all this stuff. There's a lot of good things happening in the world as well. And statistics, oftentimes I think it's it's helpful to not get completely mired in statistics. There's a, a Mark Twain quote that says, there's lies, damn lies, and then there's statistics. So I think that it's easy to paint the world in any color that you want, depending upon like what kind of book you're trying to write and what you're trying to convince people. No doubt. People. Oh, I think we talked about Civilized to Death by our buddy Chris Ryan. Yeah. And he dives right into that. Like yeah. If you're looking through one lens, yeah. you can say, there's never been a greater time. There's never been a, totally. you know, more wealthy people. And, and at the same time, there's never been a greater population that goes without food. There's never been more yeah. people on the earth who don't have clean water. There's yeah. never been uh, this high of obesity. There's never been this high of autoimmune disease. And you, the list goes on and on. And obviously, Chris tells a very straight-to-the-point tale that pulls no punches. And in the end, he shows you the way out, which I think is fantastic because it's not just a doom and gloom book. I highly recommend that for people. Yeah. But let's let's dive into your book here and, and talk about how we build the stronger body, sharper mind, and stress-proof life. Well, so with the stress-proof life, just prefacing with it's not all fire and brimstone, um, although I did grow up fairly Catholic, so it's like it's still it's, it's in my, <laughs> my DNA to go there. Um, you know, but our environment is such that it chronically folds us into positions that if you didn't know what the, that the person was on their cell phone, there's that really popular photographer, uh, that image where he, or various images where he took different photographs and he removed the cell phone from people that are just looking at their phone and they look super sad, super depressed. Like someone on a subway or a park bench. Yeah. Folded over. Laying with their partner in bed, like all that stuff. So culturally we look at those people are like, Oh cool. Like totally normal. They're on their phone. They're doing the thing like, great. Awesome. Um, but if you take that phone out, any hunter or gatherer, or just, you just didn't see the phone there, you'd be like, oh man, like what's wrong? Like, how can I help you? You know, and then depression is the number one leading cause of disability worldwide presently. It's supposed to be by 2020, but it happened sooner than that. Um, and so the conversation that I see is lacking in all of the different, different podcast spheres and such is like the, the, the mechanics of depression and the mechanics of anxiety and the mechanics of feeling good and feeling elated and happy and proud and strong. Um, you know, so that's what the book in large part gets into is how we can start to integrate more effective mechanics into literally every aspect of our life so that uh, we can feel better in any moment. Yeah, we, we talked about that before, like kind of how we can reverse engineer, and I don't like the term fake it till you make it, but Bruce Lipton said it, and he's uh, certainly, you know, I don't think he was the first person to say it, but he's certainly somebody I respect. But we know scientifically, we can start to reverse symptoms of sadness if we force a smile and hold it. Yeah. Right? We know through breathwork practices that if we get excited and, and our heart starts racing and we start breathing quickly, or there's anxiety, that type of other form of excitement, and we start breathing quickly, if we pay attention to the breath and slow it down, that can reverse engineer the neurochemistry and the hormonal production within the body, yep. right? So what you're talking about here is all these things, but also posturally, yeah. right? Like if you're in the position of a sad person all day long, that's going to have an impact on your neurochemistry and your the way your body physically expresses from the inside out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then within that, I think it's really easy to get wrapped up in, in assuming that you almost having like postural shame you know, just like anything, you get yourself wrapped up into this double bind where it's like, oh man, like it's not good to not feel good. It's not good to slouch over, to feel defeated for a moment or to feel sad or to feel like, just fuck it. You know, like sometimes it's it's perfectly fine to put yourself into that position. I think feel all the way into the bottom of that so you can actually come out as opposed to always kind of, we were talking about like uh, ultra running and all that yesterday of like always kind of having the devil at your tails. I think sometimes I was listening to, um, Graham Hancock, and he was talking about psychedelic experience. He was like, you know, when the snake is opening its mouth and he's looking at you, like you just jump right in that motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm like, so I think that there's value with that as well, posturally with like, you don't need to feel shamed to have any, just be where you're at. You know, so the end goal with the book, and that's how, we, that's how I finished the book, is to let go of all these, these rules and these regulations of how I'm supposed to be. Because as long as you're living in that how I'm supposed to be, you're always going to be separate from your truest version of yourself. 
you know, yeah. so I don't want it to get to get stuck in like, okay, you need to be in this upright, what I call the aligned posture all the time. And that'd be weird. It's just different colors on the palette, you know, so that would be more of maybe like a blue or like a purple or something kind of fun. Um, but it's really great to color with browns and blacks and grays and all that. Like it's a gray day outside right now. It's not a bad thing. You know, so it a lot is. of the, a lot of these posture books be like, oh, it's a gray day. Okay, Earth is failing. <laughs> I was like, no, it's a gray day. It's cool. Get into it. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and, and since you brought it up with Graham Hancock, there's been plenty of times where if I start to feel sad in a, in a ceremony, I'll just lean over my puke bucket, specifically with ayahuasca or a, or a heroic dose of mushrooms, and I'll just get in that position, and that's what helps me process. Yeah sadness and pain and let go. Have you felt that? Because I've felt that consistency, consistently, that connection of if I'm in a psychedelic experience, my posture will change. And I'm also like, I'm, you know, I've eaten my own placebo with this. So it would, it would of course be like a kind of like a, in my mind. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. yeah. But have you, because I've noticed that if I'm going into what I would conceive to be like a dark place in quotations, um, and I'm kind of like hunching over and oh, going to that position, I'll notice it'll get, the darkness almost gets faster and deeper. I'm like, oh, I'm really going in. And then I'll have to pull myself out and then maybe take a walk outside or, you know, just kind of come up and catch my breath. And then I'll come back into more of like a, what feels to be a, a better state. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, there's definitely something to that. Rogan talked about that a long time ago, having a DMT trip where it was really dark and ominous and his his mind was having a lot of negative thoughts. And then as he shifted into positive thinking, like it had a complete visual change and the feeling in his body changed immediately, yep. right? So he saw the correspondence between that. And that's something that he refers to, even though he's, I think, fairly against, you know, woo-woo stuff and and maybe a little bit less into some of the stuff we're talking about. But I think that you can you can see that for yourself and it's palpable. And that's yeah. what's cool about the direct experience of the psychedelic experience. Yeah, I'll find myself doing yoga for like the first 30 minutes of any ceremony, just because wherever there's tension in the body, I breathe through it. And it feels like the plants allow me to connect to my body easier and just unwind yeah. any tension. And oftentimes I'll feel... Um, something that wants to stick around and needs more attention. And then I can dive into that. And there's usually something there, mental, emotional attached yep. with it. Yeah. It's interesting in the, in the book, I mentioned a, a specific study from San Francisco university where they took a bunch of students and they had them go into these positions that we're describing right now. And they had them go into in the book. I call it the, the mopey posture, postural archetype. Um, so they go into that kind of mopey hunched over position and it was easier for them, the, the students to access more depressive type memories. And then when they go in an upright, strong, proud, I call aligned position, uh, all of a sudden it's easier for them to access more like feel good memories. So there's mm. some, some deep primordial connection since you were, you know, I don't know, probably like a single celled organism. Um, of where your structure changes to a certain position, it's an indication that, okay, we're winning, we're fed, we're, we're sexed, we're happy, we're, we're supported, we're loved. And then there's another position where, oh God, okay, everything contracts up, you shrink, you fold your shoulders, you get ready to fight. And so that's been tapped into our system since the beginning of ever. And that even actually kind of hacks our memories in a sense. It's pretty darn interesting. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about this. We have we have a modern world for it affects everyone. Even even people in the Amazon are affected by it. It doesn't matter where you're at. You're affected by the modern world. Yeah. There's a lot to and I and I think I asked you this before. I doubt you've seen it since then. But for those who have seen Joker, the parallels between that movie and what's going on in modern society are fucking <laughs> there. It's it. It was done in a way that that was frightening a lot of people, but I think if you understand that that's how a lot of people experience life. Obviously, not everyone who's taking a grip of, of pharmaceutical medications for depression and anxiety are going to go out and kill a bunch of people. But um, there's there's a lot of parallels there. Yeah, I, I think about a lot of this stuff that we've gotten into from tribe, community, things that have been lost that are hard to retrace our steps to. Um, but it's all internal work. So I think a lot of your book, and obviously I know you cover towards the end, the importance of community and things like that. Yep. Point out some of the areas that we're fucking up. Obviously you talked about, you know, being in the seated position all day long on our phones, in the car, on the couch, at dinner, wherever we are, we're in a chair yep. for the most part. I think the biggest thing is repression. You know, culturally we are repressed to, like we were at Barton Springs yesterday and I was so amazed that girls could take their top off. Like, whoa. That must have happened after I left because yeah. I, I wouldn't have left. <laughs> and then with my friend Micah that's here now, and she's like, yeah, you could take your top off anywhere in Austin. 
or in Texas, apparently, which I don't know. It's not like common, but it's like it's not against the law. I don't know if that's accurate. That's what Micah said. That's well, surprising. I should, just I should, put, it is I should like a, <laughs> It's, a, it's uh, still in the Bible Belt. So yeah, I know yeah exactly. Maybe it's weird, just but. us. I don't know. Well, regardless, that's beside the point. It's just fascinating to me the amount of shame that we have around this little sector of skin. All of a sudden, there's a discoloration. You're like, oh, God, like nobody can see that. You know, we kind of shrink up around that. And I think like scoliosis is more common around adolescent girls, uh, you know, so as their chest starts to change shape and blood starts coming out of their body and men are looking at more as like some prey species, it's like, it makes sense that they would perhaps want to hide a little bit in that, mm -hmm. in that moment in time. And then structurally what they do is they kind of wrap their spines up into these positions. And this isn't fact, this is just an idea that I think is interesting, um, but there's a consistent trend that when they're in that time in their life that it would make sense to hide, posturally their body starts to go in more of a hiding shape. And then in order to unwind that postural pattern, you can do all sorts of NMTs or chiropractic adjustments or rolfing or whatever. Uh, but if you don't tap into that person being proud to be who they are in their body, proud every square inch of their skin, there's nothing to shame in your body. It's going to be really hard to stand in an upright position and be proud and open as you walk down the street, especially in the modern culture where it's like, well, I guess any culture. We we kind of, I think about, do you ever think about that sometimes being a woman and having, like I do it, when I see a, a, a pretty girl walking in the room, I like look her all the way up and down every time. <laughs> yeah, I do like without a doubt, I can't stop. Yeah. And so if there's like a group of males around and one girl walks in, every male... <laughs> I couldn't imagine how that would be like. Anyways, um, I think that'd be pretty cool. I think, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it's so good. I mean, is it a good thing? I think it's probably a good thing, right? Well, I think it's embedded. You know, I mean, obviously, what happens after that will tell the tale if it's good <laughs> or bad. I'm just saying, I think that initial response is a good response. And the only reason it would be perceived as bad is if something bad happened after that previously. Yeah, and right? the only thing, a previous the reason, experience that created that pattern of it's not good when people look me up and down, and the likelihood of something bad happening typically would be a product of repression amongst the males. Yeah. You know, so if you're a bunch of ticking time bombs, volcanoes, not the Uzi kind, but the explosive kind, uh, because you're you did ashamed. a jerking off motion when you said explosive kind. No, I didn't. I'm not sure if it was on purpose. It was one pump. <laughs> did I? It was one pump. Well, yeah. Body, one stroke. body language. This is reminding me a lot of, uh, <laughs> of Jordan Peterson's 12 steps to a something life, uh, but his first step where he talks yeah. about the lobsters. How the mm. lobster who wins as a yeah. young young lobster continues to have the best posture, yep. and the one who fails will will get smaller. And even if it grows back to be bigger because it's young, it'll still lose fights later on when it comes to male territorial stuff because yep. it's it's embraced that wimpy posture as opposed to the big one. I've noticed just for myself, like uh, being six foot three, and you're a tall dude, like you got an inch on me, but walking into rooms or different spaces where I definitely feel like the largest person in the room, I don't necessarily want to like stand up nice and tall and erect right. with the aligned posture because I just want to fit in. And I've, I've caught this. I mean, this was basically from 16 through, I don't know, 30 or 32. And then, you know, in the last five years, I've worked on that to not really give a fuck. Yeah. But um, I find that interesting too. Dude. Like the, the, oh, yeah. the, both ways. the, the social... The social embeddedment of wanting to fit in, you know. Totally. So like, I'm not going. Nobody else is standing up tall, so I'm not going to be the guy who stands up tall. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something that I I notice that with regularity, notice parts of my own body that I'm ashamed of. You know, so like my anus. <laughs> I don't think it's especially attractive, you know. But I'm like, where did I, I like? I developed that idea. You know, there's some cultures where they worship the phallus, other cultures where it's really cool to have big tits, other cultures, like depending upon your cultural indoctrination, that dictates your perception of your own body, which is very fascinating. The, the, uh, something I wanted to, to mention in relation to the previous repression stuff is there's a, a guy called Peter Levine, who wrote a book called Awakening the Tiger. I feel like I might've talked to you about this before. Mm -hmm. um, and in that he has a really, and I actually describe it in my, in my book as well, um, a beautiful description of the way that animals in nature, they have trapped, repressed 
emotions and then they let them out. So like the the, the moment would be a, a lion attacks a zebra, for example. All of a sudden, that's like a lot of emotion and a lot of sensation, a lot of fear and a lot of, ah! You know, the zebra is doing everything it can to get out. And eventually, it can go into this state of immobilization where its nervous system essentially just like shuts down because it's like, okay, you know, I've, I've been caught. There's nothing I can do. I should just, the safest thing for me to do right now is just shut down. Same thing like a cat and a mouse. Uh, you see like a bird fly into a window. It, it conks out and just lays there and kind of like gathers its bits for a while. And then eventually it goes back into this kind of convulsive kind of shaking sensation and it wiggles its feathers out and wiggles its, you know, if it's a zebra, it wiggles its legs out and shakes its face over a little bit. And then, okay. And then it runs out into nature. You know, and so that moment of shaking itself out, that's like, it looks a lot like weird things. You see it maybe like an ecstatic dance thing, or maybe you'd see in some type of breathwork ceremony, or maybe you see in some type uh, of like a psychedelic ceremony. Or wild, wild country, you know, like the Kundalini practice. All that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's what they're doing is they're trying to jumpstart those systems that have been a part of our physiology since the beginning of ever. You know, so if you can, there's all sorts of different tools, which I have some of them in the book, um, of ways that we can start to tap into that that deeper mammalian reptilian self to let go of some of that trapped trauma so you can step out just for a moment of this story of okay i am kyle kingsbury father of bear husband of tosh you know dude it on it that does cool shit like this is like i, I drive this car i got this truck and then i got this oh you can protect yourself within that story and then there's a whole other layer that's actually running all the things that's kind of caused you to purchase these items and these clothes and arrive you in this position and choose this wife. You know, so it's, we have access to tools to tap us and to, to get us underneath our own hood, mm. you know? Yeah. You can start to pull, pull the, uh, the curtain back. Yeah. It, it reminds me of uh, trauma release therapy. Have you heard of that? Yeah. 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 Like they, they purposely put you into a state where you will shake. Yep. And it's like a, it's a simple position. I think you can look it up. I'm sure you can just Google it and look it up. It's not yeah, hard to do. Yeah, thing where your legs are splayed open. Yeah, your thing. legs are splayed open, almost like butterfly position while you lay on your back. And yeah. you do like guided breath work and just start letting the legs shake. You like hold them halfway up yeah. so they will start to tremble. And then yeah. you allow the tremble to take place. Yeah, we need that stuff, man. So so the, the where it gets weird is, and weird's actually a good word. So I, I kind of retract that. Weird is a, it's an old English word, W-Y-R-D. It means, it means, Fate. So it means to be originally meant to be in control of one's fate. So if you're not weird, you're probably just a part of the pack walking themselves off the cliff. So like it's in your favor to <laughs> Beat be cheap. <laughs> be weird. In, it's in your favor to be weird. Um, but culturally, it's pretty darn strange. That probably has a great meaning as well if we look at the etymology of it. Um, to shake yourself out you know, or to have a face twitch for a second. Or like if your mask, this biological mask, I got that that term from Wednesday Martin in the last podcast we did. Um, if that starts to go funny for a second, i.e. like orgasm. Yeah. You know, you know, that wasn't a very good orgasm face, but nonetheless, like if you go into that. That wasn't a very face, good orgasm sound either. Well, I, hope, I hope that's how you sound I usually in the bedroom. We, I usually weep. Mine's <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. That wouldn't be weird <laughs> at all. A, I have a weepy orgasm. <laughs> but if you do that in public, uh, it's pretty darn unacceptable. What is acceptable, though, is if you stuff your face back into your cell phone, if you zip your tie back up and get it tight and organize yourself, you know, if you, like, just get all your lines right. Okay. <sighs> okay. I'm back. Kyle's yeah, it's back. like uh, Bill Burr in his latest comedy special, and he's like, no, no, no. That ink is rising up. Let's stuff it back down. <laughs> and he pushes it back down. You know, it just it rides it a little high. Yeah. 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 So it's a, it's an interesting, and we've talked about this before as well. The, 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 if you are willing to put yourself into some of one of those like natural biological states in public, it's going to be very strange. Uh, but in a sense, you're kind of a, like a revolutionary or a pioneer. You know, and that you're saying, like, listen, this is what my biology is doing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. You know, and I'm just gonna. This is if you guys have judgment or something like that, that's fine. But what that potentially, and it doesn't need to be that you're shaking out weird. It could just be like you're being honest with somebody. You're like speaking your truth. Um, you know, but by you doing that, all of a sudden, at first, it's painful and scary. But then eventually, it opens the door for everybody else to start doing the same thing. You know, we were at that dinner thing that I threw in uh, L.A. 
whatever that was, two weeks ago, three weeks mm-hmm. ago, or something like that. And in the beginning, I had had everybody circle up, you know, and there's probably like, I don't know how many, like almost 30 of us, fucking Chuck Liddell, various <laughs> amazing human beings in in the in the lineup of, of folks. And uh, we're having everybody breathe into each other's ribs, having eye contact, looking at each other. Then we start breathing and huffing and puffing. And then on the way out, we kind of slowly led people into screaming as loud as they possibly could. You know, so... <gasps> While, while hitting the forward fold and still holding each other's ribs. Holding each other's ribs, man. <laughs> and, you know, if we just jumped straight to that, like people are taking their, hey, welcome. Like it wouldn't work out so well. Yeah. But gradually we move them into that. And then the other side of that, us just staring at each other, screaming like animals, is really deep connection. Yeah. And it's, it's I mean, like there's no question for not everyone joined in on the screaming. Some people kept their mouth shut. They I can't believe breathe. that. I they thought everybody was screaming. <laughs> I wish work. you didn't tell me. I was, I was paying attention because um, <laughs> I wanted to know. You know, I mean, there's was, there was a lot of people there that that uh, that I respect. A lot of people who are, you know, very high up in whatever field that they're doing. You know, like oh. Mark Sissons. There's a lot of, I mean, we could name drop all day long, but there were some fucking awesome people. people I that named I dropped Chuck met. Liddell people. intentionally because he was my childhood hero. He was like my, I played video games. I was Chuck. So then when oh, I'm yeah. screaming with Chuck, I'm like, all right. Yeah. I was very yeah. excited Chuck's, about that. Chuck's phenomenal and same with his wife, Heidi. But, uh, yeah. you know, like, I think one of those things is, sure, it's weird. There's no doubt. There's no doubt it's weird. But when it's done, I felt legitimately high. Yep. I felt high. I had energy. And I told you beforehand that, like, <laughs> it's funny because, like, you, I don't know how you coaxed everyone into going. You did, you worked some magic. You know, like, you, you were able to get everybody to show up. And quite a few awesome people were there. Everyone was awesome that went there. But um, I was super tired. I had just done a really hard workout at Gabby and Laird's place, more name drops, and some podcasts. And I was fucking spent. It was like a whole week of doing this in California. And I just really wanted to sleep. But I was like, nah, let me show up for a little bit. I'll drive my own car. And if I need to, I can leave early. After that, I had a fucking second wind. Yeah, man. Right? Wind did three minutes in the ice bath at 32 degrees. Like, I was fucking balling. Central I was ready governor, to go. Central governor theory. Yeah. It was yeah. phenomenal, right? Yeah. And I think that's that's one of the key ingredients when you think of, um, you know, people like Wim Hof, where they say feeling is believing, right? Like, these practices that you mentioned in the book, from breath work to body position to all these things, they make you feel different very quickly. Yeah. It's not like, hey, you know, in 10 years, you're going to get it. Yeah. It's like, no, right now, you'll get it. Yeah. Uh, Another interesting tool that we we have a whole chapter in the book about sight, the way that you can start to leverage sight as a tool for your own fitness and wellness. I had uh, Andrew Huberman, who you've had Mm -hmm. on here, I think multiple times. Yeah, a couple times now. He's like, in the world of, I don't know, I don't know what that world is even called, vision, biology, therapy. Do you know what the term is? What is his his title? I don't know. He is, you know, a neuroscientist and he's got the human lab at Stanford and he's studying all sorts of shit. I mean, his studies vary in it's funny. I know where you're going to go with this and I'll circle back to it in a second, but I haven't even brought up the visual stuff that he's working on. He's Mm. working on curing blindness. Like he's, he's really deep in that field. Yeah. We've just been talking about things. I don't know how many blind people listen to the show. Obviously the podcasts are good for blind people. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we talk about some of the studies that he's doing where he's looking at people with ang- anything from mild anxiety to PTSD, you know, mm-hmm. and he's working on different VR programs, hypnosis, breath work, and he's studying all that and how that changes brain chemistry and allows you to sleep better and let go of negative thinking and all that shit. Yeah. So he's, he's dialed the fuck in. Yeah, I'm on board. He's my hero in that world. I'm looking for him to do a podcast with him this month, month, actually. I'm just like... I'm in awe of the depth that he's gone in that direction. I'm very grateful that, you know, a large part of that chapter was based off of his work. Um, and so he was kind enough to review the chapter and, and you know, kind of give it like the, all right, this is cool. This is great. Um, but within that, you know, we don't think, we think of fitness as muscle ups, pistol squats, bicep curls, tricep kickbacks. Like that's like our, my previous concept of fitness. Um but that fitness, like right now we're doing fitness. This conversation is an expression of fitness. The way that you're sitting in that chair, the way that you're breathing, the way that you're looking or not looking at me or looking out the window, all of that has one-to-one effects on your hormonal system, on your whole physiology. You know, so you can start to tap in 
Two, as you're working out, like perhaps something that you could do, it could be, you could start stacking layers and say, maybe I'll work out outside. You know, that way I can look out into the trees and out into the distance. You know, as I'm working, I'm doing a meeting. Okay, let's make sure that we do the meeting. Either ideally, let's just walk outside. There's a whole chapter about the value of walking. Uh, but if walking isn't an option, let's at least like open a window. Ideally, let's open the window all the way if that's possible, so we can get let that full spectrum of light come in, and we're not just blocking out, you know, half of the half of the spectrum with the window. Um, you know, so we can start to stack those variables and just leveraging sight every time. Realize that every time you're looking down at your phone, uh, you're literally putting yourself into more of like an executive function, flight, flight, like get up and atom state. So if you come back and you're stressed out and your way of unwinding is looking at Instagram updates, you're actually just digging yourself deeper into that stress pit. And so what you really need to do is you need to put the fucking phone down and look up at some trees, look up at a cloud, start to, you know, you could go uh, blurring your vision is another really nice option. So if you're in that myopic, close, you're staring down at the... Wednesday Martin said another thing. She said, it's like you're looking at the, the you're trying to shoot the Instagram post in between the eyes. You know, <laughs> so you're like rep, reptilian mammalian self. It's like, okay, I'm focusing in, I'm pulling the bow back. You know, all my attention is in that point. The opposite of what you could do is blur your vision. You know, so if you're a person that's really focused, really stressed, really type A personality, play with just kind of letting your eyes kind of go glazing, let your self go into more of that blur and then emphasize that breath out as you're doing that. It's an immediate tool that you have access to literally right now as you're driving your car. Well, maybe don't blur your vision during that, but <laughs> emphasize that breath out as you're driving your car. If you're feeling a little stressed before a meeting, whatever it may be, uh, start to leverage sight, look out into the distance. And then another thing that I'm starting to get into is, is leveraging breath. But we always have this whole palette of tools that we can access for our fitness and for our wellness and our well-being. But typically what we think of as fitness, wellness, well-being is, you know, wind sprints and more, you know, time on the treadmill. It's yeah. so much bigger than that. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it, when you first talked about to me about that, the nearsightedness, obviously it's an issue, but also just our focal point. Like if we, if we were foraging and we found like an edible mushroom or some nettle that we were going to use for harvest, we'd look, we'd say, oh, okay, we'd recognize it and we'd pick it, but we wouldn't stay fixed on it. Yep, right? exactly. So like the only things we stay fixed on are predators or really shitty situations where we have to be very mindful of that. So if we fixate on something near to us, like a hawk, mm -hmm. we're, we're- Or a shark. <laughs> yeah, like we're, we're, hopefully we are hunting that thing that we're fixed on and it's not the opposite effect, but you can see why that would dial us in and crank up all that neurochemistry in a way that can be helpful at times, but if it's done chronically, which it is now, it's a big issue. Yep. And what's cool about that expansiveness, like, I mean, some of my best ceremonies have been on a mountain in Sedona, you know, where I can <laughs> just see man. for fucking miles in Set all setting. directions, right? Yep. Yeah. And I just think about that, like, uh, how important that is for me. And, you know, they have you know, obviously we've, we, we kind of laugh at the forest bathing term, you know, that they're studying, <laughs> studying now in Japan, but, uh, I think Aubrey talked about it in his book and it's, it's in the book unplugged with Dr. Andy Galpin and Brian McKenzie is that in Japan where they have a very high suicide rate, if they went for a 30 minute walk in nature three days a week, and I think I'm getting that right. It might be five days a week, but if they went for this 30 minute walk in nature, they had a 60% reduction in all cause depression. Yep. But if they went for that same walk in the city, they wouldn't have the same results. Now, Austin's usually always green. It rains a lot. It's gorgeous. And I do this one mile walk around on it multiple times a day. Sometimes I'll walk 10 miles in a fucking day, listening to Audible or meditating. And what's cool is even though there's cars and exhaust and people honking and construction and all that kind of shit, there's a lot of trees and there's always the sky. Always. There's always clouds. Even on a blue, sunshiny day, there's some clouds I can stare out at, right? And that, that, to me, now that you mention all this, I think is really what shifts my mood. You know, moving is great. And a lot of times, if I, and I've mentioned this, I know a ton of times before, if people have trouble sitting still, that's what in yoga, that's what yoga was invented for. The physical practice of yoga is one of four practices in order to allow us to be still, right? And I think walking is is tremendous. It's tremendous for me, but it's also because I'm not walking and looking at my fucking cell phone. Even if I'm listening to Audible, that's in my fanny pack and I'm staring off into space, looking at different things, taking it all in, watching birds, looking at crickets coming in. We had a, I don't know if you, <laughs> we had like a cricket migration where they come in and mate all the way from Austin to New Braunfels. 
and it's awesome. They're fucking everywhere. Mm. There's just like hundreds of thousands of them all over, you know, singing during the day. Like they're inescapable, but it's cool because you just feel connected to nature, yeah. you know? You know what happens to those, to grasshoppers? I know, I know that you know this. The grasshoppers can turn to locusts. There's a specific species, but unless they start off as grasshoppers and then when food becomes short, they come from, say, like, you know, like an agricultural age like this one where you have an abundance of food. If all of a sudden that gets short and they get put close up to each other and they start rubbing each other and perturbating each other's sides for I think it's like five hours. What I saw a YouTube word? video perturbating? about perturbating. Perturbating. Oh, explain it to me. Perturbating so over my head. Oh, it's just like agitating. Oh, okay, I you know. You. All right. Yeah. Imagine like if I'm like tickling your balls. That would be pleasant. But if there was a hundred <laughs> people in a room doing that, I might get freaked out. Perturbating. Okay. <laughs> Smacking them around. <laughs> Anyways, probably have to cut that part out. Um, no edits. <laughs> <laughs> no fucking edits <laughs> so, so locusts so locusts so if you if start perturbating if you start having to you know rub up against each other and, and and be in those close confined states stacked up on top top of each other i'm kind of describing a city um all of a sudden they their physiology completely transforms and the shape of their 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 head changes and their thorax and they become cannibalistic and they just become these like jerks uh, and then you see a similar thing, not necessarily that people become locusts, but you see when people go into cities, they start talking a lot faster. You know, and they, when you're walking down the street, it becomes a lot easier to walk over that homeless person or just, you know, someone drops their thing or someone's maybe getting mugged or something's weird. Happening. You're like, oh, somebody else will take care of it. In a small town, it doesn't work like that. In a small town, it's like, I'm looking out for you. You're looking out for me. You know, and it's 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 just interesting that the... Um, a quote from Einstein that I mentioned to you before is the, the the field contains and regulates the particle. You know, so it's like we think that we're these isolated separate particles, but in reality, we are the field. There's no separation. You know, so you can start to tap in. Another chapter section in the book is being able to tap into your environment, augment your environment because you are your environment. You know, it's not, oh, I'm going to get you know, I'm going to put my desk near the window or I'm going to start spending more time sitting on the ground. I'm going to get some floor cushions or a comfy rug or whatever because it's like, you know, it might be good for my hips. It's like, no, it's going to change your whole perspective on the world, man. You know, if you start to shift your posture and shift your, you know, the way that you look, the way that you, the, the sounds that you hear in your environment, the amount of contact that you have in your day-to-day, -day, I'm, I'm kind of just pointing out different specific sections in there. Um, it doesn't just do the, you know, the, 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 what is it? The sum is greater. The the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. You know, we your environment shapes you. Those those specific points, the specific variables, they aggregate into much more than the individual to start. That was kind of a, a rambling thought. No, I was, was excited. Beautiful. I was excited about the grasshoppers. Yeah, I was thinking about grasshoppers. <laughs> was that in, was that in uh, Civilized to Death or was that in? It's all over the place. But he did mention them in Civilized okay, yeah. to Death. Yeah. And then another great book, Sacred Economics. Oh, you turned me on to that. Charles Eisenstein. Charles Eisenstein. Uh, oh. Highly recommend it. We'll link to it in the show notes. I'm about halfway through it. It's one of my fucking favorites. And I always Good. I always love that because like I you're one of my closest friends and yeah. I appreciate the fuck out of you. But when somebody else who's on the path of learning and growth says you have to read this book. I'm like, fuck yes, right now right. purchased, you know, yeah. and it's insane. But what r reminded me of that book was as you were talking about this ideation, we have around our separateness from nature. Yep. We're not, you know, like that, no, that man. even goes into it's fucking everywhere. It's in every system. It's, it's in our economy. It's in all this shit, but it's also in Western medicine. And that's the big, the big thing that grossed me out in listening to David Sinclair on Rogan's, who's the lifespan guy, and I'm highly appreciative of people like that, like him in the world, because they're going to figure out certain things that have to do with extending lifespan and longevity. That's all great. But it's the idea that a lot of these scientists have that we can beat nature, we can master it, we can figure it out. And it's the same yeah. thing, you know, from, from uh, parts of the tech sector where we're going to be able to take our consciousness and put it in a machine. It's like, fucking die, die, <laughs> transition to the next thing. You're not going anywhere. Let your fucking consciousness go somewhere else for a while and experience that. Don't, yeah. fu how fucking boring would it be to hang out in some fucking uh, computer-generated virtual reality, or even if you yeah. could go into a, a some type of robot and hang out here on Earth, if you were immortal, it would suck. Yeah, you'd be the shittiest. That would be hell. Yeah, you'd watch everyone you love die. I think it's interesting that those belief systems from the scientific model that we're entrenched in are, are pretty darn acceptable and pretty cool. 
but the idea of someone having some experience with an entity or some voice, you know, that your inner, the Greek daemon, like the inner voice inside of you speaking to you, guiding your life is like, that person needs to be locked up. Yeah. People, people <laughs> even fucking freak out about intuition. They're like, what the fuck is intuition? You know, like, it's like, well, yeah, maybe you don't get it if you, if you have been closed off from that part of you, Yeah, but it does exist. Yeah. Right. With the, their Charles Eisenstein stuff, something I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because it's a topic that I want to understand deeper. Um, but I think it's, it's really interesting the way that our, how entrenched we are in the, our, our financial system, you know, and it's like, I was doing a, uh, interview with Paul check and he was talking about how like, you can't get away from Christianity. Like it's so deeply entrenched in your culture. It's entrenched in the, you know, just everything from the, from the drop. Like you can say like, Oh, I'm this or that, but nonetheless, like the culture that you're raised in the cup that you're in is, is based off of that, you know, and in our financial system, it's a similar thing. Like since you were a little, you know, fetus, pre-fetus, like you've been in this financial system where it's, we're rewarded for presently, for the most part, um, it can shift. And I think it, it is shifting in small ways, uh, but you're rewarded for destroying resources, for destroying natural resources. You know, so I was having this metaphor pop up from the other day of like, you know, if someone came to your house, a neighbor came over and it's like, hey, dude, like your yard is a little shabby. I'd like to kind of spruce it up, you know? And so here's what I want to do. I want you to lend me $10,000. I'm going to go out. I'm going to buy these, you know, rocks and get new grass and trees and all this stuff. I'm going to fix it up. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to increase the value of your house by probably $60,000. So just give me this $10,000, fix it up. It's only going to take me a month and it's going to, it's going to hook up the whole neighborhood. You'd be like, yes, like amazing. You're like, yeah, absolutely. Like you care about the neighborhood. I love that. Let's do that. Culturally, if you do that to the bank and you say, Hey, I'm going to go to the bank, like, Hey, man, I need, I need, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. I want to take care of these woods. You know, I got this plot of land. I want to just make it beautiful. I want to, you know, introduce new fungus, myco forestry is the thing I recently learned about. You know, I want to make it great. I want to help the earth. The, the bank's like, I don't give a shit unless you can pay me back, you know, 20% on top of that or whatever it is. And so the analogy with the person, if they came to your house, your neighbor comes over and says, hey, listen, I want to borrow $10,000 and I want to dig this big nasty hole in your front yard. I want to destroy your whole fucking front yard. And we're going to get some of this rock substance that we've deemed valuable as a culture. I'm going to pull it out. I'm going to sell it. And then I'm going to come back. And I'm going to pay you $14,000 in a month. Do you want to do it? You'd be like, no, you're going to fucking ruin my yard. You're going to ruin the neighborhood. What are you talking about? But the present banking system is is set up that it's like, yeah, yeah, cool, sweet. You know, I'll get that extra four thousand dollars. Okay, cool, we're we're in. Yeah, you know. So if we can somehow start to shift the model in such a way that we praise each other for helping each other and helping ourselves and taking care of the forest and taking care of the roads and picking up trash just just because, like, if there was some way to reward that person that walks down the street and just picks up trash, you know. But presently, that doesn't exist, so we walk over the trash. And we go I, make money. Yeah, I think about that. I think about that. And obviously, I'm, I'm only halfway through the book. And the book is a lot, of, a lot around gift economy. And that's something that I first experienced at Burning Man. And for people who haven't been, I understand, like, tired of the Burning Man stories. I get it. But um, <clears throat> to be in a place where there is no money exchange, mm -hmm. and if you ask for something, you're highly likely to get it. Maybe not from the first person you ask, but somebody will deliver what you want or need. And in return... You either give them back something of yours or you pay the gift to somebody else, but they know in the act of giving that that is reciprocal, that mm. on the playa, they will the gift will be returned to them in one form or another. And that's really cool because that is, you know, as, as Chris gets through in, in Civilized to Death, that is the hunter-gatherer way. It is the idea that you will you will trade and you'll give things and you, and you just move that around. It's, it's in full circle. You're always giving and in the turn of that, you're always receiving. I don't know how you quantify that. I think in a way it's almost, I don't know, unless you're doing it, it depends what the intention is. If you're doing it for virtue signaling to say like, Hey, I'm the fucking great guy. I'm the one that cleans up this neighborhood. You know, then you can be an asshole about it. But I eat me on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we did talk about that in the last one. 
you clean up uh, Santa Monica Beach <laughs> three pieces a day, <laughs> and I clean up. Uh, I clean up my daily walk. Not not every day, but every now and then I'll get bare some gloves and we'll go pick up trash around the neighborhood. Um, I think it's almost better though. It's not better because of the way. Uh, you know, there's no reward for doing good things, but if you can create that internal reward, then it is good, right? So like, I think with regard to picking up trash and being a good person and being kind and leading with your heart and all that shit, the reward is in and of itself, yeah. right? And that's the idea behind the gift giving. It's not with the intention of, well, I know I'm going to get mine coming back to me and it's going to be at least as good, if not better. If you take that out of it and it's just the act of the gift itself, I want to give this gift to you. If that's the only thing you're going for in that exchange, that's where there's the fucking real medicine, yeah. right? And the same thing goes for being kind. It's not like, well, if I'm if I'm kind to Aaron, then at least one other person will be kind to me. That's the way the world works. Well, not not necessarily, yeah. right? But if I want to be kind just for the sake of being kind, that's a really fucking good quality to have. But the thing is, is that is the way the world works. You know, like if if you your relationships is the most valuable form of currency that you have access to. Like we've been duped into believing that financial currency is the thing, but that shit's fluctuating. You know, like at any day we could get the call, the memo from Trump or whoever, like, Ooh, sorry, American currency just dropped like three quarters. So that money that was, that you thought was worth this much. Now it's a quarter of that. And we don't know what direction it's going from here. You know, so if you have been burning your relationships for the last 25 years in the in the name of creating currency, and, uh, and then all of a sudden you're setting yourself up for that, like you'd have to have some degree of underlying subconscious anxiety if you're putting all of your marbles into that, because inherently it has, you know, it has no legs, it has no support. But relationships, no matter what the fuck happens to society, if you have relationships and people really care about Kyle Kingsbury because he helps the tribe. No matter what, you're good. And also, by the way, you'll get more currency. Whatever the model that we're operating in, you'll be abundant in that. You know, so if currency shifts to all of a sudden, you know, Mountain Valley bottles are like the, the that's gold. <laughs> Kyle Kings really have more Mountain Valley Mountain Mountain Valley spring water bottles. You know, because people want to give him those bottles because they want him around. You know, but I think that we're duped. We don't really get taught about relationships and i don't do we get taught about relationships in school is that no, even a I don't thing think so relationship think building so. even even that's like the thing the, man that's it that's one of it's there's a lot of yeah, it's. there's a lot of it's yeah <laughs> there's a lot of it's for sure <laughs> we need a class i think we were so we were on environment um we talk about talk about how you model a perfect environment and i, and I know i've mentioned this before but we got you know 100 square feet of mma mats in our living room oh yeah and we've had them since we lived in my mom's garage which was the first time I met you. You came and stayed down with us for a couple of days while you were moving to Santa Monica. And that's something I will, obviously I may end up having to replace those at some point, but there will, they will be in every house I have until the day I die yep. because it's an invitation for us to get on the floor. It's an invitation for us to wrestle or do jujitsu or do yoga or just fucking hang out and stretch. We play all of our board games there. We play Uno with Bear. We play Rumi Cube. It's always on that fucking mat. And it's because it's right there in the center of the living room right? It's, it's accessible. It's convenient. And I walk across it wherever I go. If I'm going to bed, I walk across the mat. Yeah. If I'm going to the kitchen, I walk back across the mat. The, the mat is always there. It's the centerpiece of the whole fucking house. So it's, it's so easy to access that. Yeah. So one thing that's interesting, your, your feet have 7,000 nerve endings distributing information of what's happening in your environment all the time. You know, it's like reflexology and all that stuff. It's like, it's, it's, it's good for you to have that adaptation and that stimulation. So being barefoot and having various different contoured surfaces in your environment is a really big deal for creativity, for health, longevity. Um, you know, so, so it's a good idea to start doing that. Uh, the other thing is making it so that your visual field has those health inducing variables present all the time, you know, so throwing a pull-up bar in between the doorway is a really big deal. Every time you walk through the door, you do a little, woo, you do a little swing thing. Um, now all of a sudden you're mobilizing your shoulders, you're opening up lung capacity, you're even mobilizing the tissue around your heart. Like your organs aren't just these isolated things that are live in a vacuum. It's like your movement is massaging your organs. That's what contralateral motion is walking as you're walking you can think of yourself it's almost like you're twisting out the rag that is your internal viscera mm. you know so you want if you have organ issues 
maybe go for a walk, you know, and also along with that, maybe do all the other things, pay attention to your breath, look out into the distance, pay attention to soothing sounds. It's going to calm your autonomic nervous system. And so you can go into more of like a rest, digest, heal type place. Uh, with putting something like mats on the floor is genius. You know, if you have a family and you give a shit about yourself or your kids or your, you know, anybody that comes into your home, by inviting them to make that journey down to the ground, you're tapping them back into, again, into their, their primordial roots. That's where you've come from since the beginning of ever. You know, and so since chairs you know like egyptian times you have like royalty sitting in chairs and you know it's diamonds and gold and so like the disease of affluence affluenza <laughs> you, know, you go into that position where you're sitting hunched up in the chair you know you're standing over other people while all the all the peasants are sitting on the ground mobilizing their hips and their knees and their ankles and circulating fluids and moving lymphatic fluid and you know doing all the things that naturally heals their body um that king i.e now all of us you know we're, we're aspiring to be those kings sitting up in the you know the range rover or the chair all day at the office in front of the fancy computer uh they get sick you know yeah. so the, the 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 key is to start to bring change your visual field you know you need to put those things in front of you that causes your you know, like lubricates your trip down to the floor it's not this thing where i have to i have to sit in my car drive to the gym in order to like do some hip stretching you know, if you just put that mat down there, all of a sudden you're going to go through that whole range of motion on a regular basis. And in the book, I recommend 30 minutes a day, which is low, like very low. But nonetheless, uh, if you just do that 30 minutes a day, it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to potentially, for one thing, it's going to prevent you from having fall risk as an elderly person, which is the number one leading reason that elderly need assisted living. So if you give a shit about your kids even, not wanting to, for you to be a burden when you're 85 years old, because you can't get up off of the ground, now all of a sudden you have to reach out. You have to have, to have a red button or a cell phone nearby because daddy fell down and you can't get up. Life alert. Life alert. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's real shit. You know, and it's like me thinking about my parents in that situation, like it like literally brings a tear to my eye. You know, I had that moment recently where I was like, oh, yeah, you got on the floor, mobilize your hips and all that stuff. And then in, in another interview, I was, I was talking about like, and like really visualizing like my mom, mm. you know, going down to the ground and not being able to get up. You know, it's like, fuck, man. Yeah. You know, and, and while we have access to our legs and to our hips and to, you know, all of our parts, we need to use them or we will lose them. You know, and what culture has done is it's sold us the opportunity to outsource all of our movement. Uh, and then it, you know, so we're paying for movement, essentially. You know, that's the model. And then eventually we lose that, then we're dependent on that. And then a small group of people get wealthy and then, the, you know, everyone else gets sick. Damn. <laughs> what else we got in here? What else we got in the green book? <laughs> that was awesome. That was damn awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. All sorts of good shit, man. Touch is a really important thing. Yeah, yeah. That was that was something we talked about before. I think at the at the party was uh, I was talking to Amanda Bucci, who's uh, Amanda Bucci. Know, I love Bucci. saying her name like that. Uh huh. She's uh, you know, <laughs> she's got quite a following on Instagram. A lot of her, a lot of what she does, she teaches people how to grow their Instagram following and build build businesses through social media. And she's just, I mean, that's what she does. It's not who she is, obviously. Uh, she's fucking amazing. She's an amazing person. I was totally drawn to her. I really enjoyed talking with her. And um, totally forgot where I was going with this. Well, touch. We just talk touch. Yeah, so I was Community. talking about this post where at one of the events that Aubrey threw in Santa Monica, um, I was pretty spent and I'm just kind of sitting on a bench and you just come up behind me and just start digging your elbow in. Oh, we have a picture of that. We have a picture. I posted it's, a, it's, an image on the Instagram about on monkeys the gram. Yeah. grooming each other. That's yeah, what we did. about that grooming and the need for physical <laughs> touch. And like, I'm just sitting there, eyes closed, like melting into your elbow. Yeah. And uh, it's so much more critical than just scheduling a massage once a month. You know, like yeah. I think about that too. I think about families that really don't have that. I think of, um, I've, I've certainly mentioned, you know, some of the ways that, uh, you know, some of the things I didn't appreciate about my childhood on, on different podcasts that I've worked through in plant medicines, but there was a lot that I did appreciate. And one of those things was that both my parents were very loving and they showed that affection through touch. 
My dad would wrestle. He'd play when I had growing pains. He'd massage my legs. He'd give me a massage anyways, just like pre-football, post-football games, things like that. And my mom's just a big love ball. She would always hold us and we'd snuggle while we watch movies. And, you know, if we're at the theaters, we lift the arm up and and just cuddle in next to each other to watch. So I always had that. And I I think um, for me, it's just something that I kind of knew. It's almost like this is water. Like I hadn't paid attention to it because I was unaware. But then I would recognize that as I grew older, like I'd want to hug somebody and they'd kind of feel like, uh, that was weird. You know, and it's like, is it? Is it? It's not weird to me, yeah. but it's weird for a lot of people who don't have that. Yeah. Right. But talk about that because that's that's like a huge piece. And I know, you know, I've mentioned the five love languages, it's a great book. What people misunderstand about that book is that you're primarily trying to to find out what your top three love languages are, whether that's touch, gift giving, uh, acts of service, quality time, and whatever the fifth one is. Um Blowjobs. Yeah. But you think about those things and you're like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a touch person or, oh, I'm quality timer. I'm definitely acts of service. I want, you know, you show me love by doing the laundry and, and vacuuming the house and doing the dishes. It's all a sliding scale. Right. And that doesn't nullify anyone from having touch as a love language. And I wonder if people who say have acts of service, if that was just a program, like they saw their dad show their mom love by doing yard work and doing Mm. the dishes and making dinner each night. So that's how daddy showed mommy love. And now that's the way I receive love. Right. And I wonder if people have touch at number in the number five position because they didn't receive it when they were a kid. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know too many people that do have touch in the number five position when I ask. Tosh was number one and she didn't she didn't have it. You know, her number one's touch and she definitely didn't get that kind of I think most people at, at, at at an organism level, I think touch would be, I mean, at least top two. I think if you have some, I, but I don't know. I haven't asked enough people, but most of the people that I hang out with, they're like, oh, touch, touch, touch. But I'm like in a touch culture. So it's, you know, the bubbles that I live in are different. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, touch is, there's like the the Romanian orphanages is an interesting example of when kids, this happened in the late 80s, there was an excess of, of Romanian orphans. There was like the dictator was doing all sorts of weird stuff. They were causing, uh, they were saying, you can't use birth control. And they wanted to create as many humans as possible. And then it, it all fell apart. And then we have all these kids. And uh, during that time, there weren't enough caretakers to contact the babies. And they like, just literally stopped growing. You know, and they have all these emotional disorders growing up, and it's like not getting that signal. Touch is essentially is the primary signal that you're cared for, you're loved, you're supported, you're accepted. You know, if someone gets me a new watch or something like that, it's like, cool. Like, I feel that. Like, I, I guess you got me a gift. You know, that feels good. You, you care for it. You paid for it. Um, but if you don't give me the watch and give me a hug, it's going to feel weird. You know, and weird not in like the control of your own fate way, but weird kind of like, oh, interesting. Like, what is this? Some kind of transaction, you know, but touch, it's like, no, like I'm exchanging you. Like we're like, I'm breathing you in, you know, in Hawaii, they, they call Howleys or, or white people. Uh, so I, I, I moved out there when I was 18, lived out for, there for like five years. And so I was a minority in Hawaii, which is exciting um, to just as like a learning experience. And so I was a Howley and Howley means without breath. And so when the, the white man came to Hawaii, they, instead of breathing each other in, like I'm describing now, so they'd go up and do like this little like Eskimo kiss where they you know, breathe each other's air in, exchange each other. You know, I am you, you are me. There's no separation. Like, come in. Mm. Um, you know, so we have that connection. That's an indication of full acceptance. You know, and getting a gift, you're not breathing somebody in with a gift. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and so that's that sensation of being the, the primary thing that most people maybe just me have fear of is not being loved and not being enough you know so for you to reach out and hold somebody it's like a pretty strong indication that no i do love you i do care like you are enough it's really important fuck yeah brother anything else you want to toss in there that's i don't know <laughs> man buy the book there's yeah. that get it the align <laughs> method it's uh it's available right now on pre-sale it launches when december 24th so if you pre-order it now whenever this goes out it'll probably it's let's say today is december something um i don't know it'll, and this is obviously evergreen but uh comes out december 24th so it'll, it's amazon says it arrives on december 24th um so it could be a, a christmas gift um and then along with that there's the align method online program which is a seven day free trial 
That's at alignmethod.com slash, no, alignpodcast.com slash alignmethod. Um, but that's a lot of words for a link. It's a good thing we'll have that in the show notes. So you can just one click it. Good point. Just get the book. That's the most important thing. From there, everything, everything, everything comes together. So, so thealignbook.com has uh, that's for the the pre order. Okay. And then, if this is after December twenty fourth, get the Align Method at any bookstore or Amazon or anywhere you get your books. It's going to be all over the places. Dope, brother. I love you so much, man. I it's love awesome you. Having you back. Thank oh, you, yeah. brother. We're going to jump over and quote on the Align podcast now. That's right. And jump Make over. sure you click subscribe to my boys' <laughs> podcast, and you'll hear me on there for around two or three or four or whatever. How many times I've been is. on, too. They're always my favorite. Awesome. Right. Thank you, brother. Thank you guys for listening to the show today with my dude, Aaron Alexander. Hit us up online. We got all those links in the show notes. We are very responsive on Instagram. So if you got questions, hopefully we got answers. Buy my man's brand new book. It is exceptional. We've linked to it in the show notes. And of course, head over to kingsblue.com. Leave me your email. You will get a welcome letter alongside the exact supplement list of supplements that I take on a daily basis. And in addition to that, you'll be clued in once a month on anything that I find fascinating that I've got going on in my life, uh, upcoming episodes of the podcast, guests, the books that I'm reading, and anything that I'm doing to experiment with the physical mental, emotional, or spiritual practices that I embody. Thanks for listening, guys.